Good things come in threes, so we are bringing three match days to talk about on today's episode. It is the third episode of the teens of the Peaked Too Early podcast. That's 13. And we are your three hosts, Craig, Blake, and Oscar. Oscar, how are you? Hello, I'm fine. Uh, I am, despite our, despite the fact that we are recording this and we've missed, you know, a couple match days, still feeling unprepared somehow. So just, you know, look forward to some relatively generic podcast analysis from me today. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, three match days have slipped by. It's that time of the year, isn't it? Where football is literally nonstop. I think there's like European matches in midweek again. And then we just keep going this this weekend with the Premier League. I don't... Oh my God, I don't envy footballers at this time of the year. It must be utterly exhausting. Um, but yeah, some good matches that we'll touch on. I'm, I guess we have three weeks worth of it. So There has to be at least... At you know, good ones. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, it, it means that we definitely cannot do our usual thing of going through each one. We're literally just going to have to pick out some. But I'm scrolling through here. I'm I'm seeing some some pretty decent ones we can touch on. Um, it's going way back. Uh, mm. the, to the first match day we missed. Um, I think we need to touch. I don't think we need to talk on any of these. Um. Man City over West Ham, 2-1. Mm. Um, oh, can I shout out and, the Lanzini consolation goal? Uh, yeah, Lanzini only yeah. scores good goals. Bangers, yeah. Bangers or pens. He just scored another like incredible goal um, from like out on the left, just curled it in. Kind of like if you saw Damari Gray's win of, uh, for Everton today um, against Arsenal. <clears throat> it was, it was kind of like that, but with, I guess, less venom. Um, it was more of like a whipper. Uh, great goal, but yeah, we lost, yeah. so doesn't matter. Um, and then Chelsea and Man U would draw um, in a match I did not enjoy watching. No. Um, um, and are there any other match day thirteen um, matches you'd like to talk about? Um, 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 no. I mean, Gerard got off to a good start with beating Palace. I guess. There but you yeah, go. That's it. Yeah. That's oh, great. and there was a thriller between Leicester and Watford. It's cementing my shout that Watford are a super fun club to watch this season. It was 4-2 to Leicester. Okay, yeah, but that's it. We don't have time. Keep going. Uh, that match was also in the heavy snow, which is... It was. That was bizarre. I was like, Ugh. It should have... I, I kind of low-key... I was, when I was watching the highlights, I was like, this shouldn't be going on. They couldn't, like, run. Though <laughs> the ball wasn't yeah. rolling properly. Um, parts of the second half, you couldn't yeah. really see the ball. The lines, you couldn't see the ball. They didn't switch out for an orange one. Very strange, but great match nonetheless. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about match day 14, yes, uh, which will, unfortunately, you know, I hate to do this, but I have to talk about Newcastle Norwich. Mm. Um. It was a must win by all accounts. We were solidly bottom of the table. Norwich yeah. were three points above us. So by winning this match, we would have gone back above them because we have a much better goal differential. Right. Um, the stadium was absolutely pumping. Uh, just, you know, the city was alive. It really felt like it was going to be the first win. Um, and then pretty much the first action of the game is... Uh, 
uh, Kieran Clark dilly-dallying oh on the ball. Kicks it into Timu Puki. Uh, Timu Puki touches it past Kieran Clark, and Kieran Clark pulls him down for a straight red for the dog so. Um, and the atmosphere just immediately died. Uh, it was so, you know, flat right afterwards, which, you know, deservedly so. You know, the fans can only reciprocate what they see. But uh, honestly, Newcastle were the much better side on the night. Um, but, you know, with 10 men, 1-1 one, one feels like a victory, but in context feels like a loss. Um, right. I will say, in my opinion, VAR should have overturned the red card against Kieran Clark because the Kieran Clark's, you know, waiting on the ball, when it bounces off Timu Puki, Timu Puki uses his hand to control the ball. So even if he went through and scored, it would have been overturned by VAR. So I'm not sure how VAR upheld the decision. If he hadn't been pulled down, they would have overturned it. But, you know, whatever. Kieran Clark is a championship quality defender, so it's whatever. Hmm. Yeah, not not a fantastic result for you, but but maybe you know things are looking up now and unbeaten. Um, I wanted to touch on West Ham drew to Brighton late more pay equalizer, uh, overhead overhead kick, uh, and he scored an even later winner or equalizer this week. But this was, was like the ninety sixth minute this time or something. Um. That wasn't a fantastic performance from us. Neither was it. Well, Thomas Socek scored in the fifth minute. It was one of those games where there's a goal at the beginning and a goal at the end. Um, also, United... I think the match of the weekend was actually United-Arsenal. Um, United beating them 3-2 at home in what was Michael Carrick's swan song as a Manchester United employee. He resigned right after the match. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo getting... The two goals that clinched it, one um, a header and another a, a penalty in the 70th minute that won it. Um, there was a flurry of goals between the 50th and 70th minutes. Um, it was a good game, I have to say. Uh, and yeah, I guess you know we'll see if United sort of slowly click, kick, click, ooh, click into gear um, over the next few weeks with Ranyuk coming in. I'm actually kind of excited to talk to you about Ranyuk. Maybe we can make some space to t- uh, to chat about him a little bit because. I'm interested to hear what you say, and I definitely have a couple of things I'd like to say about him. But Oh, and also from this match day, Liverpool turned over Everton in a pretty embarrassing Merseyside derby for the Blues um, because they were at home for one. And yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, let's... Uh, let's I have one thing to say about Manchester United and oh. Arsenal. Um, that is, I absolutely love Emile Smith-Rowe's mm-hmm. goal. Uh, Fred oh, yeah. standing on yeah, De ankle. Yeah, strange. Chef's kiss. Beautiful. It was I weird because the fallout of it was like all over the headlines. It was like, weirdest goal scored, like bizarre controversy. And I was like, it is weird because you never see it. But like, there's no wrong call. Like, also, the, yeah. You know, that's it's not like his own player stood on him. At all. I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not the language surrounding it was like so strange because I was. Because I didn't see it in real time. I saw the headlines and I was like, oh, something, you know, something whack must have happened. And then I was like, 
it is weird, but it's not controversial. Like it's just like Fred steps on De Gea, right? Like what else? Yeah, friendly it was fire. Kind of weird, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, I thought Manchester United thoroughly deserved that win. Um, I didn't think Arsenal were that great. Um, yeah, Liverpool humiliated Everton. Yeah, they did. Um, it was embarrassing. Everton yeah. at home. Yeesh. Man, that... I mean, there is the result today, uh, which we'll talk about, but um, I, it really feels like a, a win will Rafa get sacked rather than a... Yeah. Uh, if. Yeah. But, well, it was, certainly was looking like that last week, but yeah, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, uh, it, I think it, you know... They turned the burner down from high to yeah, medium high. I mean, this is the other thing where it's like, so Marcel Brands left the club this um, literally, I don't know, yesterday, the day before. And he was like the guy that most of the Everton fans directed their eye at. He he was the director of football at Everton. I mean, you know, most of the gripes are the fact that Everton have spent oh, some like obscene amounts of money over the years and, and just like now they have a super thin squad so something had to give Marcel Brands was the guy to leave maybe it was I don't know him versus Rafa I don't know I think in Rafa's defense it's just like their squad is just like there's so many injuries and they have no one basically so I kind of I kind of feel like you just kind of have to stick with him but I don't know yeah well Newcastle currently have a open director of football position, so mm-hmm. if Rafa wants to come over, sure, uh, yeah, we'll gladly gladly take it. Um, all right, my friend, we have yes. left you simmering long enough. Let's talk some West Ham Chelsea. Oh my goodness! So that was um, the first match of the weekend, um, and the Hammers seven thirty. Yeah, seven thirty. The Hammers actually stopped the. Well, can we call it stopping the rot? Anyway, that's a bit harsh. So you know, we lost to City in what was. We actually performed like okay in that game, um, which is pretty admirable, seeing as it's Man City. Um, and then the Brighton one was was bad. And then so coming into this, you know, we we hadn't picked up as as many points, and people were sort of saying like, we're still in that fourth spot, but way off third, right? Like a solid six plus points off off the the pack at the very front and uh, with Arsenal and Tottenham right on our tails um it was sort of like not looking as dandy as it had been say in in October and November for us so it was a big match day uh, at home against you know probably our most in the modern era our like most hated rival we really hate Chelsea a lot I guess maybe Tottenham but in the recent years, it's been Chelsea. And we we beat them 3-2 in what was a fantastic game. Um, I don't need to go into a, like immense detail of like the play-by-play. I do have some like major points I want to touch on. A, um, I'm over the moon with the win, but it's masking what is, I think you could call an injury crisis for us now. So we lost Ben Johnson and Kurt Zuma to injury in this game. And so we have now to literally only two centre-backs. Craig Dawson. Craig Dawson and Issa Diop. And and the rest are injured. And we Cresswell is iffy. He's been injured a lot. And we have now so Fowles also kind of coming back from injuries. And it's really really bad. It's, It's actually really, really bad. And I think 
West Ham fans as a collective are kind of just ignoring it because what else can we do? But the fact that we are playing again, I'm pretty sure, in the Europa League this week, which is like we can field a nothing team because we've won the group, but uh, it's it was really rough to see them so to see them limp off. I haven't actually seen what their like prognosis is yet, but um, I think it was an interesting match because I turned it on and we were bad like we 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 especially at 2-2 and i know i'm i'm just gonna jump around because that's how this is this recap's gonna be at 2-2 we were horrible i was like oh my god this is like i think i texted you i was like this is like super rough to watch because we it kind of reminded me of the early moise days where we just like let any and any and every team have the ball and didn't look solid or confident enough to sort of play a, I don't know, like a 2016 Leicester game where you just like let them have the ball and then hit them on a deadly counter. Um, I'll run through the goals. You know, Thiago Silva opens the scoring on 28 minutes with a, a header uh, from a set piece. Um, and then Manuel Lanzini um, levels it up with a really well-taken penalty in the uh, 40th minute after uh, Mondi's first error of the game, I guess you could say, where he chased after Jared Bowen. And I don't know why. Like, Mondi's like, what, six, seven? And Jared Bowen is like this sprite, like, super quick, like, agile, five foot seven, like, little guy, outfield player. I'm not sure why Mondi is chasing after him. It's It seems like a really bad idea just because it's like you're. And I can say this, you're just like, you're a tree, right? So you can't, like, you just don't have the agility. And he made a mistake, made a poor tackle, and it was a pen. Lanzini equalized. Um, only for Mason Mount right before halftime to uh, put in this, like, volley with soup, like, pinpoint accuracy. He squeezed it into to, to the near post. And people, I saw people on social media, like, having a go at Fabianski. And I'm kind of like, people just love to have a go at goalies who let stuff go in at their near post. And I know that, I know Kasper Schmeichel, he, he, he has a big thing about this where he's like, I hate it when people like moan about goalies letting stuff in on the near post because he's like, we know, but we're making all these decisions all the time. And so it's like, we can't, we study the players. Like we think they're going to go on the, like if we let it in at the near post, it's not because we just like didn't cover the post. It's because we're anticipating something different or we like are assessing that, we have to be in a better position in, in the goal. Um, and I think people, I'm not 100% sure that Mason Mount 100% means for the ball to go in this sort of like postage stamp area of the of the goal. But, you know, I, it's not on Fabianski. It was a great goal. So we go into one down and and you're sort of thinking like, ugh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bummer. It's always a bummer when you go to one in down, go into one down. But I think maybe in the dressing rooms, too cool i don't know if he's so happy right i think it's like we're definitely in the game we're up for it they're away from home and it turns out yeah he shouldn't have been happy because uh on 56 minutes jared bowen puts one in um he has been excellent for us this season just lacking uh the goal scoring touch that he showed at hull i heard people over the weekend like super bizarrely like i can't remember which pundit it was but he was like jared bowen like he's like doesn't score enough like he and i feel like i know he played at striker sort of like as, as an auxiliary striker at hull but he's not he is a winger like he doesn't really play as a striker for us so i i found that kind of weird that such, well, such like harsh criticism about his goal scoring abilities um yeah so i you know that 
pretty much any winger that is not in a big six side, yeah. they will get that criticism all the time because yeah. I think like pundits focus so much on you know, know. goal scoring wingers. Like and it's Salas, like, no, I, I, yeah, if yeah. you're if you're just a like a you know still good attacking, but you aren't the main goal focus in your team, the narrative is that they're a bad player. Yeah. Um, well, I don't see. That's the thing. I don't think anyone's saying Jared Bowen is a bad player, even because I think he has actually got pretty effusive praise from across the board since his move to us. And I think, I mean, maybe it's just high expectations because he is actually a really good finisher. Like that's his that's his thing. He likes to arrive late in the box and and shoot. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe possibly he could be deadlier than than he is. And, and Jared Bowen's really interesting because I know that Jurgen Klopp really likes him and and Liverpool. Uh, there's there's been consistent rumors for about a year now that Liverpool want to buy him and and the, the the scary thing is is that he would fit like super well into that Liverpool side obviously as like a a padding you know like a, as a as a as a be I don't know as a bench player like that sounds harsh but it's like not as a uh, a guaranteed starter impact player that's a better idea better phrase but you know I think he has got that that praise and and, and certainly he's been very good for us this season. Um, and then yeah. Adam Masuaku, sorry, go ahead. Um, I, yeah, I just meant that like any player that's not a you know yeah, yeah. massive volume I goal agree. scorer winger will be diminished by saying, "Oh, but he should improve no, his absolutely. end product." Yeah, yeah, and it's just like it's not Yeah, I agree. I I I know what you mean. Um Yeah, I hear it week in week out with yeah. Alan St. Maximan, which like Yeah, with Saint Maximan. How can you watch like... him and not think he's far and away Newcastle's know, best player it's just like pundits so many pundits is just so crap and it's like nothing new but it's just like they they view these players as one-dimensional and it's just like i think that's why i mean this is a tangent but that's why it's kind of funny when they're like back in the day like stuff we was we like you know we were great like we were so much better and it's like no you weren't because like th- these players now are so tactically like versatile they're coached way better like and yet you still want to see them as these one-dimensional like players it's just like bizarre but um the winner came from Arthur Masawaku, and this is really funny because initially I thought like this was one of the greatest goals I've I ever seen in my whole life. And for those listening who haven't seen it, I, I'm not even really going to attempt to describe it. You just have to go and see it for yourself because it's too hard to describe. It's sort of like if you th- so it's a cross, right? So Masawaku after the match he confirmed that it was a cross. Like David Moyes was like, yeah, it was a cross. Like straight afterwards. If you were watching it and you didn't think it was a cross like I did, because Masawaku has a tendency to... He's like a magician. like he He's such a skillful player that I thought he meant to do it. He kind of like looks up and he shoots. And no, if you think he's shooting, it looks like a no-look shot where the ball curls inward and then suddenly swerves outward. So it bamboozles Mondi on the line and goes into the goal. Masawaku, after the game, was like, it was meant to be a cross. It was just a horrible cross, guys. Um, which is why he didn't celebrate because I think he was embarrassed. But I mean, yeah, I, it's kind of an indescribable goal. Um, but I mean, I was certainly like in raptures, and um, we took home a three-two victory, and I, I could barely watch the last five or six minutes, even though we it wasn't even like we were back to the war or anything. We were fine. But um, yeah, and and I think I will say that Antonio played really poorly in the first half, and then he dragged us to the victory in the second so that was interesting to see too and he hasn't scored in a while but week in week out you know he's such a dangerous player he just he can run any defense ragged right now so um hopefully you know as i said in the beginning those injuries are 
I think calamitous. I think we will we will dip massively over the break. Something has to give. Um, and and I think that we now have to recruit in January. Otherwise, I don't even know. But um, look, uh, we 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 are um, we're massive. Yeah, I can actually envision West Ham doing quite well this January. Um, yeah, I I think. I Loans, Super, loans, yeah. I think it's a very like enticing time to be a West Ham player. Um, I think because you know all the focus that's currently on West Ham. Um, I think there are certainly some you know hungry players who uh, could shine in that spotlight, uh, including yeah. one Jesse Lingard, who is. I reckon Jesse Lingard should just come like. He really should come through the door to us again. Like, and and he won't replicate. If he does, he won't replicate the form that he did. But he he would be just he's everything we need. Like the depth alone, uh, he should just come back. What a terrible club. And I, so the Zuma thing looks really worrying actually. And we know that he has a really bad history of of injuries, and it 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 could be a torn ligament, which. It's it's um, not good. It's like re- it's really bad. But anyway, yeah, the on only that. thing I know is that there was a scan today and it came back inconclusive on a torn right. ACL. Oh, Jesus. Um, ACL. Yes, I didn't see that. So hopefully it's not that. Um, oh God, no, no, it's a hamstring. I can't. Oh no, no, I can't. I beg, it's not. I will say you texted me after Masawaku's goal, and you said yes. that was on purpose. I um, did because I thought because Masawaku, yeah, it's like, pretty amazing. He, he, he's done that stuff before, like, and it did look like it was on purpose. And yeah, if if you know Masawaku, like West Ham fans know him, like no one talks about how skillful he is, and so he he would do something like that. I thought he should have just claimed it. <laughs> is he the second most skillful? West Ham Democratic Republic of the Congo player ever. <laughs> Second most skillful. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, just a quick aside, a real life interjection. Um, the group that I'm playing soccer with on Sundays, mm. one of them, his name is Thomas. He's from Northern Ireland. Oh, wow. Um, that's cool. And he's a big West Ham supporter. Oh, so awesome. Well, I, if you play well, next Wednesday, now. yeah. Next Wednesday? Or, sorry, next Sunday. Monday. Yeah, I want um, to. There you go. Um, from one joyous match to the next joyous match, it is Newcastle United 1, Burnley 0. In um, a match I actually got to watch with my girlfriend, which was really nice. Because, um, you know, she does not enjoy watching soccer. But she was there, um, sat next to me, watching whenever I yelled or danced or did anything. But um so she saw when Callum Wilson converted right before halftime. She saw me do a lap of my basement. Um nice. Because of the relief. Like holy oh, crap. Absolutely. Um the for the most part, um, you know, Burnley did not really offer much. They were severely hampered when Maxwell Cornet went off with a hamstring injury. Um, and he had to be replaced by Matty Vidra, um, and that just killed any uh, Burnley attacking hope. Um, they just uh, really could not do anything. Chris Wood was 
absolutely invisible this match. Um, which I will give props to a player who I've slated a lot this season, Jamal Lascelles, um, who played right. incredibly well. Um, he set a, I believe, a Premier League record this season uh, for most clearances in a game with 11. Um, most aerial clearances. Um, Dwight McNeil, invisible, um, pretty much across the board. Every Burnley player, not great. Um, other than, uh, is it Nick Collins or Nate Collins? Nate Collins in the back. Yeah, He's a pretty tidy player. But um, the big talking point of this match was on 40 minutes, uh, Nick Pope comes to the penalty spot to claim a cross by one Joe Willock, um, who has been phenomenal these last three matches. Um, he gets the ball in the air quite comfortably, and as he's coming down, uh, Fabian Scher is standing there, not even looking at Nick Pope. Um, so completely unaware. Nick Pope falls down and essentially slams the ball onto Fabian Scher's head, uh, causing it to come out of Nick Pope's hands uh and callum wilson would uh really intelligently take it uh one step wide and then put it into the roof of the net um for what would eventually go on to be the game winner um and such an important goal for newcastle season uh st james park it was like we had just won the league um it was Absolutely insane. Um, and that's just to beat Burnley at home, one nothing. Um, that is the first win in 196 days for Newcastle United, which is absolutely terrifying. Um, but also, it means since Steve Bruce has been sacked, bar the 2-0 uh, versus Arsenal, Newcastle are undefeated, um, which is... Very strange to say. We are normally a very defeated side. Um, yeah, and uh, that moves us up to 19th place. Um, all of a sudden, there's a lot more hope. Um, you know, we're six points off 12th place. Or, sorry, six points off 14th place. Um, so, you know, maybe we don't need a Leicester City Great Escape. To, yeah. It feels good. I would hope. I hope not. Um, yeah, I'm glad it feels good. You need some sort of positive. I, I might be that person. Um, next round, like the, the fixtures you have coming up are like absolutely terrifying. Um, although I reckon you can beat Leicester because they're terrible. Um, but then sort of after that, it's going to be a rough Christmas for you. Um, yeah. Um, I have yeah. you know one thing to say about that. Um, so one, yeah, probably. Uh, I would guess the next four matches will all be losses. Um, no, you, I think you'll. I think you'll get a result against Leicester. I, they're so bad right now. We tend to pull off one every year. We pull off one result against Liverpool and one result against Manchester United. So you know, I'm hoping maybe we get something there. But um, our January fixtures are, you know, honestly. January through mid-February are very nice to us. So as bad as the rest of December is, I'm hoping you know, it'll all kind of even out. And we can be, right. by the time we play West Ham on February 15th or whatever, um, 
I hope we are 17. Yeah. Okay. Small steps. I like that. Very baby steps. Baby steps. Cool. Okay. Where? What else do you want to do before we? Before we um move to the next stage. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it was a a pretty standard day. Um, yeah. Liverpool beat Wolves. Man City beat Watford. Spurs beat Norwich. Thank you, Spurs. Man U beats Crystal <laughs> Palace. Yeah. Um. Which I suppose we should talk about if you want to talk about Big Ralph. Oh yeah, I guess a couple of things about Big Ralph. Um, did you have anything you wanted to open with, or I can sort of like pose some questions to you? I'm interested in in your thoughts. Uh, Fred scored a nice goal. Um, he did. I think and it would probably be suit suit the system well, to be honest. Uh, you know, I don't think really anything about this match you can point at Ralph. Rangnick, no, no, Ran- Rangnick, Rangnick, and yeah. say this was him. Um, he's been there for absolutely not. No, like what? Thirty six hours. He he essentially he essentially said as much when he was like, "Oh, this team is better than I thought it was," <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, no, yeah, I I think so. Ralph Rangnick is really interesting because uh, you know he he is like you've had this reaction in the UK where the is so it's such an interesting dynamic because the the common man football fan if you want to call it that has no idea who the hell Ralph Rangnick is and does not and and looks at his record looks at his CV and is like seriously what the hell is the big deal with this guy coming in like why is he being talked about like he is some sort of messiah he's never won anything of importance he has bounce around clubs he just came from locomotive moscow or something in the russian league as this director of sports development like who is this guy you know what is going on and then on the other side you have your journalists you know your let's let's say like your your guardian journalists and your football analytics people and your your intellectual football fans shall we say and this is like absolutely not pc but you know you know what i mean like they all love him so they like tout his you know they they point to him as the father of the gagan press which he is um as they look they point to his disciples who are klopp who are tuchel who are um ralph hasenhutl um and they say look at this guy he's you know they could draw comparisons to marcelo bielsa and they say look at this like man you have finally made a great decision there is a plan moving forward um this is wonderful and so it's a super interesting dynamic um you know i think he's maybe most famous in a footballing sense for bring schalke building schalke um and hoffenheim from I mean, schalke was always a huge club but he brought schalke to the semis of the champions league where he got smashed by man united uh ferguson's man united and then building hoffenheim despite the fact that it was a very bankrolled Hoffenheim, but building Hoffenheim from a nothing club to a, uh, I guess, brief um, Bundesliga powerhouse, and, and now they, they're they sort of a perennial mid-table um, side at the moment. And then he um, was also involved in the Red Bull group and brought RB Leipzig to prominence. Um, so, you know, he's a project manager, and that's why people are excited about his appointment now what is your opinions on the appointment and also what do you have opinions about him as like 
a person or as a figurehead or his just like personality. And I know that like I think English fans and English journalists are sort of very obsessed with managerial personalities. But I think in this case, it's it's a really interesting one. So I'm I'm curious to to hear what you have to say. Um, I think for an interim manager, it's a very smart mm. uh, idea. Um, although looking at it within a context of like what is success for Manchester United this season, um, I really don't know. Like, is um, you know. I figure, you know, they brought him in because they need to finish top four. Um, but, you know, is fourth place for Manchester United expectations enough? Um, so I'm curious to see how that will go. But uh, right. as for his past, um, most recently what I know him for is being a little uh, unpopular at yeah. Lokomotiv Moscow. Um, yeah. Some uh, supporters believing that he's kind of you know taking the club in the wrong direction um because you know they have a myriad of issues um but before that i think his success speaks for itself in building clubs up but then you know like shalka have been this like historical giant that has seen some, you know, super extreme issues in more recent times. And he managed them and was quite successful. Leipzig, you know, were... When he joined them, they were still in the second division, right? Yeah, yeah. This is via Bundesliga. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, increased their club worth by, like, a 50-fold. Um Oh yeah, easy. Which is just unbelievable. Um so I guess the idea is he does with Manchester United this season what he did with Schalke. Um and I don't know. Um can you get Manchester United to play a Gigan press? I mean I look at their squad and I go, uh I think you can. For sure. Maybe you, you have but, enough you have enough young young talent to be molded there. So uh, Rashford, Greenwood, they can be molded to play a pressing system for sure. I mean, Ronaldo probably not. Fernandez is no, you can't. But there are players in there that can do it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and just the the McTominay and Fred, I just I don't get it. McTominay um, and Fred. I yeah. I mean, you know, I no, don't. But, but, but the, the thing is, this is so either. interesting because I think Ralph Ranick would r much rather have McTominay and Fred genuinely in this system than Bruno Fernandes. And so it's like Bruno Fernandes is like a, a monster of a player, a superstar, a genuine world-class player. But he, he, I think, I think Ranick would he likes players like McTominay and Fred who are gonna be little bulldogs. Um, I think it's very interesting. I would just want to say that, I mean, so, and I'm not even saying like it's a bad thing in the footballing world, but this is, he is an exceptionally arrogant man. Like, oh, like the, some of the quotes you can see from him and some of the stories that people have about him, it's like he, <clears throat> I think some famous 
footballer said like he is the most intelligent man in the room and he knows it so he has this thing which he was ridiculed for before he was famous for being like the like a professor right for looking at football in this like very clinical way and sort of saying well we we play it like this and this will work like never mind x y and z like never mind how it's been done like just do this and it will work and everyone was like what the fuck are you talking about and then and then it was revolutionary um and and he knows it and so i think that's also a super interesting dynamic and and you can see it immediately with <laughs> a couple of days ago he was like oh yeah like if i decide i'm the best man for the job then i will stay beyond my six month interim stint it's just like amazing like it's just like he has he's so confident and i i will use the word i would use that word arrogant and i'm so fascinated to see like if some stuff goes wrong like how how do the egos clash in the dressing room like cristiano ronaldo like how would he react this is a Ranić was the man who said I like five years ago he said I would never ever sign Cristiano Ronaldo because he's too old and he doesn't run enough and so I just think this is a very interesting thing as well um yeah yeah uh you know I want to see Manchester United fail so um uh, you know I'm sure I look for more flaws in the appointment than a Manchester United supporter does um, but yeah, we'll we'll have to see how it goes. Um, hard to define success for a six month appointment. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope he uh, pulls a Captain Phillips. Says this is my ship now. Um, stays on past his six months. Um, do you think he's going to be successful? Yes, I do. Uh, I think Manu will get into the top four um, because they should uh, with that squad. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think he'll be successful. Well, I don't know. Conte, Conte Spurs should also get into the top four now. Just because Conte is like one of the best managers in the world and 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 they're looking increasingly sort of formidable despite the fact that they're not even that good yet um just kind of points wise and not dropping points wise um but yeah i, I don't know really what else to say it's super early days it's i totally agree with you that win was absolutely nothing to do with him and in fact uh they were terrible man yeah there was no difference between like that was a, you know, uh, like that could have been a performance under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's the same thing. So, I, I'm 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 really interested because he's come in at a a rough time. They're going to be playing matches, just like every three days, right? And so it'll be. It's not like he can coach them properly. So I'll be. It's super interesting to see um, how it will unfold and whether he'll recruit in January. I mean, there's. There's rumors that he wants to bring in Haidara from Ebi Leipzig um, because he needs that sort of like midfielder and that kind of mold. And, and, and Haidara is like a good player, obviously, great player, and I guess a smart signing, but he, he does, he's not even a guaranteed starter for, for Leipzig. So, um, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, obviously, I hope it all blows up in their faces because that's hilarious, but um, I, I think 
the safe bet is that he'll be a success. Yeah. Um, I think of Amadou Haidara from when he was like 17 and playing for Salzburg. Um, so in my head, he's way older than 23 because his name has existed in my head for so long. Um, but, uh, yeah, only 23. Um, and has played a ton of football. A hundred appearances for Leipzig. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, the n- There was also um, Aston Villa beating Leicester City, continuing, yeah. or continuing Aston um, Villa's um, good run of form and Leicester's right. bad run of form. Um, right. But I don't think there's a ton to talk about there. Um, Not really. I mean, Leicester aren't good. I and I said it a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm I'm super confused and I mean concerned. Not really because I I love Leicester, but I don't really care. Um, uh, something's wrong with Rogers. Like there's something has gone wrong. And I think I think I, I honestly think he could be sacked this season if they keep this up because they're so inconsistent right now. And and when they lose, there they're just bad. Like they're just bad. Yeah, um, of course they play Newcastle next. So, yeah, I'm um, I'm, I'm going for for at least a draw for you guys. Yeah, I saw a, a Leicester fan say on Twitter that they're either going to win four nothing or lose four nothing, and sure. then Newcastle fans responded and said that's probably us as well. Like we're either going to win four nothing or lose four nothing. Um, although Newcastle scoring four goals, that's hard to imagine. Um, there is one good match to talk about remaining. Um, okay. It's uh, Everton 2, Arsenal 1. Taking yeah, it the, just uh, happened today. Take the, uh, the kettle off the uh, stove. Um, I like that. Rafa's hot seat. On Rafa, yeah. Just a little bit. Um, so I actually haven't, I, I haven't watched the highlights of this. I'm looking forward to watching it um, afterwards. I've seen Damari goal, Gray's goal on Twitter. Banger in the 90-something minute. Um, it was, you know, Everton's win was was ended a run of eight games without a win. Eight games, so so funny. After that, they they genuinely had a great start. Um, and it's been awful since then. Like I said, Mar- uh, Marcel Brands left the club, and um, it's interesting because Everton have actually been very open by saying that now Benitez has way more control. So they're putting all they they're they're actually backing him, which is fascinating to me. And I think maybe as a reflection on Mashiri, who clearly knows nothing about football. And I think this might be. I think I think Rafa might have actually literally convinced him to to give him more control, and sort of said, "Look, I am the only one in this setup who knows anything about football." And um, Wow, I mean, it's it's a that's a a pretty big revelation, um, and uh, especially seeing as seeing as it, they're being very transparent about it. Um, he he has much more responsibility now. I think that probably signals that they'll invest again in January. And um, uh, yeah, on brands, Benitez literally said, "I have it here in front of me." Um, the reality is that the club was not progressing at a pace that maybe everybody was expecting, and now it's just really important to be positive about the future. So. Kind of a a Machiavellian, like it sounds like he uh, he orchestrated Brands leaving the club. Um, and 
And I reckon that, and I can't talk too much about the match because I haven't seen it, but I will say that I think that Rafa hasn't done anything wrong. And we know Rafa is a great manager and um, he spent, what, under th- like three million pounds in the summer and and the injuries have been horrible and, and that's why they've been bad. Um, and so, yeah, as for Arsenal, Arteta, I think, said, bemoaned how inconsistent they are and, and that's, that's just the truth. Um, they shouldn't be losing this match. Um, and yet they did. Um, yeah, I was listening to some pundit, you know, like who cares, who cares who it was. Um, it really just doesn't matter anymore. Um, they all just regurgitate the same thing. Um, but they were talking about how, yeah, Rafa should be sacked because like, look what he does to the supporters. You know, Everton fans are used to bringing in the likes of, uh, you know, like James Rodriguez last year um and then this year they bring in damari gray um which i was like that's such a ridiculous claim because damari gray has already given more than james rodriguez gave to everton um he has one fewer goals and three more assists i think um or two more assists so you know whatever um i love it for damari gray um i really like him as a player um and his winner today sensational um that's like a proper yeah what's a, goal a proper match winner um yeah and he's been good and, for them. yep um the celebration was funny uh you could see the cogs turning in his yeah. head as he went to celebrate with the fans and then said oh wait that, yeah it's COVID, a fine yeah. if you celebrate for, with the fans so yeah, i probably yeah. shouldn't do that um and i think uh Number 16 for Everton, is that Abdullah Decore? Yeah, yes. it is. Um, he then ran into the crowd and celebrated with them um, after Demari Gray left them. Um, so we'll see. Everton, you know, it's they're still a pretty shit football club. Um, so, like, we'll see. We'll see how this goes for them. Yeah. Um... Do you want to make predictions or no? Um, eh, I'm good. I think we can skip predictions for this week. Okay. Uh, in that case, I just have some questions for you. Oh, yes. This is um, my uh, first, my, my wonder kid, um, he uh, started his career uh, at Dundee United. Um, okay. And made a lot of appearances for their senior side as an incredibly young kid. Um, he was starting for them when he was 16. Um, he then famously got his move to sporting. Uh, where he would spend... Uh, let's see, that is eight years. Um, and hilariously speaks... You know Portuguese with a fluent Portuguese accent, um, and <laughs> even sp- he speaks English with a s- s- sort of a slight uh, Portuguese oh. accent now. Um, before um, he would join uh, Forenza, um, also in Portugal. Before joining this club, um, which I was shocked to learn, but uh, Oscar, can you tell me where Ryan Gold is? Oh, Ryan Gold. Oh, I know he's in the MLS, but I couldn't tell you which club. Oh yeah, 
He was he was a wonder kid. He definitely was a wonder kid. Um, you want to take your guess? Is it in is it Vancouver? It is. It is the Vancouver oh, hey. Whitecaps. I don't know um, why I know that, but I do. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I rem- I you know around 2013, 2014, um, which is like when he was first bought by Sporting. Um, yeah. I really liked him. That's but, interesting. Uh, yeah, there you go. Quite the quite the career. I think he's uh quite loved in Portugal. Um, I think he's a pretty popular figure. He must be pretty young still, right? Um, yeah. He 25 still. Huh. Um hmm. Yeah, when he signed for Sporting, he it was a 6-year contract with a 60 million uh, release clause. Wow, that did not work out well for him then. Uh yeah, certainly. Um Okay. Okay. Uh North nice. City, I like that one. Yeah. Have the fewest goals scored so far this season. Indeed. Uh who has the second fewest? Oh. Uh Burnley. No. Huh. Sitting in eighth place, Wolverhampton Wanderers have the second lowest goal Wolves. score tally. Wow. They're doing yeah. really well as well this season, so pretty oh, crazy. Well, wouldn't have guessed. Um them. All right. Uh Harry Kane and Youngman's son. Uh, famously, you know, had their season last year with the best goal and assist pairing uh, between two players. Uh, who currently has that title this season? One more time. Go through that again. Harry Kane and Heung-Min Son yeah. last season ah, had the best you. goal and assist pairing. Who has the best one this season so far? Trent Alexander-Arnold and Money. No, it is not a traditional big six side. I'll give you that hint. Uh, mm, give me an easier hint and tell me which team it is and see if I can get it. They either... Oh, I'll tell you the team. Give me the team. Give me the team, yeah. Uh, me still. No, it's easy if I give you the team. It's uh, Watford. That's not easy um, at all. So how is this easy? I think so. It's Dennis must be their top goal scorer. So it's, is he one of them, Dennis? Yes. And then the other, I don't know. Is it? A striker? It is Emmanuel Josh Dennis King. and Josh King. Josh King, yeah, wow. Um, and they are tied with the Manchester United duo of Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba. Oh, 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 yeah. Because of course, way in the beginning. Wow. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, who, which player leads the Premier League in defensive clearances per match? Uh, God, this is, this is hard, Blake. This is a um, very hard one. No, I need a hint. I can't just, this is just like picking a needle out of a haystack. Okay, players one and player two, so first place and second place, Yeah, play for our two favorite teams. Oh. Declan Rice. No. Think um, about an actually good defender. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So foul? No. In second place is Kurt Zuma with 5.2 defensive aerial clearances per match. And And then, no, first place is Newcastle United's Jamal Lascelles. Jamal Lascelles? With six aerial clearances per match, which he's at top with 6.0. Uh, Kurt Zuma is in second at 5.2, and then third place is at like 5.1, and then 5.0, 4.9. So there's a big gap between first and second. Um, and it's Jamal Lascelles who's you know arguably been Newcastle's worst defender this season. So nice. Um, and then my final question for you, Oscar Saywell. Uh, Despite their great performances this season, Watford are only three points clear of the drop, and Burnley has a game in hand. Uh, What is Watford's chances of staying up this season? I'm going to keep asking you a what is their chances to stay up question until you start giving me straight answers. uh, I love that. Um, Hi. I would say that Watford are better than at least three teams in the league. So, therefore they should stay up. And I think that it's looking like bar some sort of like real drop-off, they actually have a gem in Emmanuel Dennis who doesn't seem interested in fucking up his form. So when you have a danger man like that, uh, you know, I, I, I really like Watford. I would say Watford will survive. I would say that Watford, and this this might be this is kind of crazy. I think Watford have a better chance of surviving than Brentford. So definitely, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I I put a bet on them staying up. Yeah, I was kind of shocked to see them all the way in seventeenth place. I know um, they've they've played difficult teams. This is the thing. So I think there'll be a kind of run of fixtures, and but yeah, no, I I reckon they'll stay up. All right, that was. Three weeks worth of matches in one podcast. Um, and wonderful. You know, we did a great job on timing. Um, we sure which did. is amazing. Um, but that has been episode 13 of season two of the Peak Too Early podcast. Please email us, leave a review, follow us on Twitter, um, or send us an email. And uh, we will talk to you whenever we can fit in a podcast next. Absolutely. Wonderful as always. Thank you, Blake. Of course. Bye, Oscar. Bye. I'm standing.